Brothers and sisters, tonight, insha'Allah, we are going to talk about the four aspects of what makes you. We're going to talk about, insha'Allah, the body, the soul, the nafs, which is the self-consciousness, and the heart, and how to develop them, insha'Allah. So let's dive into it. Firstly, I want to dispel the idea that whoever does acts of worship and lives a life of goodness and righteousness, I want to dispel the belief that your only reward is in the hereafter. And to say to you that Allah tells you, whoever acts in righteousness and good deeds will first get their reward in this life first and then in the hereafter. Allah said, in chapter 16, verse 97, Allah says, Whosoever acts righteously, whether a man or a woman, and embraces belief, we will surely grant him a good life. We will surely grant him a good life. And will surely grant such persons their reward according to the best of their deeds, meaning in the hereafter. The ayah says, We shall give you a happy, goodly life now, here. This verse, as I said, removes the presumption that whoever lives a righteous life will only get their reward in the hereafter, but is a promise from Allah they will also get a happy life in this world. But unfortunately, many people have the wrong mindset of what happiness is. Happiness for most people is outwardly and materialistic. Happiness for many people is about themselves and what they receive from the temporary world that is perishing. We live in a time where individualism and me, myself, and I is the only thing that matters. Brothers and sisters, that's not where happiness comes from. Happiness comes from looking in ourselves and our makeup and to develop and nourish our inner selves so that it doesn't matter what happens to you in life, good or bad, somehow you're still happy. Somehow you're still strong. Somehow, you're still optimistic. Somehow, you can keep smiling. Somehow, somehow, you can still keep going. And somehow, you still love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you fear nothing but Him. And somehow, you feel you own the world. So, let's look into this. Allah warns us and tells us that most people get their happiness from materialism in the following verse. in Surah Al-Hadid, Allah says, Know everyone 
that the life of this world is but amusement and diversion and adornment and boasting to one another and competition in increase of wealth and children. Like the example of a rain whose resulting plant growth pleases the tillers, then it dries and you see it turned yellow. Then it becomes scattered debris. And in the hereafter is severe punishment and forgiveness from Allah and approval. And what is the worldly life except the enjoyment of delusion? So brothers and sisters, happiness will not come from there. And everybody who follows it only failed more and more. Brothers and sisters, let us now define the makeup of this human being. And the makeup of this human being, by the way, is similar to the makeup of the jinn. Have you ever heard of the life form called the jinn? The jinn are mentioned in the Quran. They are made of the flame of the fire. The only difference between us and them is that we are made from earth clay and they are made from the flame of fire. However, everything else about them is the same as us. Allah says, I have not created the humans nor the jinn. I have not created the jinns nor the humans because they were created before us for any reason except to worship me. I do not want any provision from them, nor any food or drink. Meaning, your duty is not that you need to sacrifice things to God, or you need to feed God, or put food and drinks before an idol. Allah says, no, I don't need any of that. You worship me because I'm there, and that's how you connect with me. And that's how you will find your purpose and your fulfillment and your happiness. Connect with your Creator. And let's understand why. The human being, brothers and sisters, is made up of four things, according to Islamic belief, according to the Quran, and according to how the prophets and messengers taught us. So the Islamic belief is that the human being is made up of the physical body, or the mechanical body. Everybody knows this. It has three definitions or three terminologies in the Quran. The human body has three different Terminologies. The first one, al-jasad. The second one, al-jism. The third one, al-badan. Al-jasad means a non-human form of a body. Al-jism means the human form of a body, but void of intelligence and void of consciousness. And al-badan is the corpse of the human after they have lived and they have died. It's called the badan. We'll come back to that. The second thing we are made up of is the soul. In Arabic, the Quran says ar-ruh. And we will talk about the soul or the spirit. Number three, we are made up of something called al-nafs. Al-nafs is hard to translate in English. But the closest meanings I can find are the self-consciousness and the subconsciousness. When you are conscious, you are aware, you make choices, and you are a person who is able to do right from wrong. Another word for the self or the consciousness or subconsciousness is also referred to as your lower state or your egos, desires, temptations. It's a force that you can't touch. It's called al-nafs. Number four is al-qalb. You are made up of the heart. The heart has two descriptions, two characteristics. The physical heart, which pumps the blood throughout your body. That's the heart which doctors treat, and you can transplant that heart. That heart the flesh and blood and the muscle has no effect on your belief, your faith, your consciousness, anything. It's just an organ of your body. Some people, they, I, I said this because some people have asked me, is it halal to do a heart transplant between somebody who's, for a good person, let's say, needs a, a heart, from a person who's known to be evil, for example, or a disbeliever or something like that. They think that if you put the heart in there, it's going to affect your iman or your faith. 
that is incorrect. There is absolutely no effect. That's called the physical heart. The second meaning to the heart in Islam is called Al-Qalb. Al-Qalb, my dear brothers and sisters, is also hard to translate, but the ulama have brought a close meaning. It is the inner divine compass which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed attached to our heart which pumps and throughout our body, our mind, our sight, and the rest of our feelings. It's like a moral compass. You feel something is right or wrong. But it's not just you personally. Everybody feels it. Have you ever heard someone say, follow your heart? What is that? Follow your heart means that inner, divine, godly thing which Allah gave us that makes you feel the right from wrong. My brothers and sisters, let's go through each one. The first one is the body. We said there is the non-human body, the human body, and the corpse. The non-human body, why did I mention that? The non-human body is a living thing. It is the thing before you were conceived by your mother. It is a life, but it doesn't have a soul or a conscious or a conscience or anything like that. For example, the sperm and the egg. It is a body. It is a life. The atoms that make it or the embryo which is first conceived in the mother all the way up to 120 days. That is called al-jasad, which means a lifeless body or a human, a non-human body. Some people, they say to me, but I thought that you only live if there's a soul in you. Yes, in one way it's true, in another way it's not. There are bodies that don't have souls in them, but they live. Did you know the embryo, you and I, when we were embryos, before we turned into a human form, we have a heartbeat at, the, at 40 days of conception. And that is why your mother, if she's pregnant, she can go, or your wife, to the hospital and get an ultrasound. And you can hear and see the heartbeat and blood flow, even the brain development of the embryo, at about 40 to 50 days. But the soul has not yet been placed into it according to the hadiths of the Prophet So it brings me to the second one called the living human mechanical body, the anatomical being, the human being. At 120 days, you change into a different form. You are a human and you start developing. That is when you become a body of a human, but not yet obligated, not yet accountable, you don't yet feel and are aware of your conscience or your consciousness. And it is that time when your soul is placed in you and your human consciousness is placed in you, the nafs. But we'll talk about that in a minute as well. And lastly, brothers and sisters, is the corpse. The evidence that I want to use for the human form that is inside the womb, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions something about it and he compares people who walk on the earth after they're born, they're no longer in their mother's wombs, but they have not yet developed into more than just thinking about their outer body. There are people who walk the earth, they have no purpose in life except their desires, their temptations, serving and feeding this body, and no other reason except to live, do your best, and then die. Nothing else. Allah mentions this about the hypocrites at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, where Allah said in Surah Al-Munafiqoon, وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَهُمْ تُعْجِبُكَ أَجْسَامُهُمْ وَإِن يَقُولُوا تَسْمَعْ لِقَوْلِهِمْ Allah says, when you see them, the hypocrites, the people who don't know why they're living, and they're two people in one, conflicting, their appearance impresses you. They look good. They look wise. They look intelligent. They look smart on the outside. Everybody can dress nice. Everybody can look nice. And when they speak... You listen to their impressive speech. 
They speak nicely, they speak well. But they are just like worthless planks of wood leaned against a wall. No other purpose but that. Allah warns us not to be just a body that lives life purposeful, purposelessly like an animal. That has no other purpose but to serve the human, to graze, to die, to be a beast in the, in, and, and just take care of the ecosystem or the uh, biodiversity and that's it and then die. The human is far more important than that. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the beautiful hadith, listen to this hadith which is in Sahih al-Bukhari number 3036. Each one of you is constituted into the womb of the mother for 40 days. And then he becomes a clot of thick blood for a similar period. So now that's 80 days. And then a piece of flesh for a similar period. That's now up to 120 days. 40 plus 40 plus 40. Then Allah sends an angel who is ordered to write four things. An angel comes down. We don't know the characteristic of this angel. But among the uncountable angels, this angel has a duty. Ordered by Allah for each single person, there is one of these angels. Each one of you had this angel who came and touched you and was there near the womb or inside the womb of your mother in a certain way that Allah only knows and wrote in a way that Allah only knows four things by the order of Allah. He is ordered to write down his deeds. What is this person going to be doing in their life? Not what they are going to make him do. Not what Allah wants you to do. But just writing a pre-record of what you're already going to do. And then closes the record and goes. His livelihood. What kind of a life are you going to pursue? They just know. Allah tells them this is what they're going to pursue. Write it for me. Come back. His date of death, that's an order by Allah. They have no control over that. Your date of death is already in the womb at 120 days. And whether he will be blessed or wretched in religion. Not that Allah wants them. What kind of a life are they going to live in faith? Are they going to be wretched? Or are they going to follow the guidance of Allah, which means either to paradise or hellfire. Then the soul is breathed into him. Who can remember at which day the soul is breathed into the human? 120 days. That's when you become a real human being with the life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you importance to. The soul is what makes you different to everything else. It's the soul, brothers and sisters. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he talks about Prophet Adam alayhi salam, when he created him, first he was a normal body. What did he say to the angels? He said, فَإِذَا سَوَّيْتُهُ Once I have fashioned him and made him balanced, and the way he should be. And then I breathed into him from my soul, from my spirit, meaning the spirit that I created that is special, the honorable soul, that is only in my control and it's a gift. That's why Allah calls it my soul. It's a linguistic term for something which is extremely special, which is extremely honorable. When I put my soul into him, bow to him. I'm going to come back to that to explain what this means, inshallah. But I just want to highlight the importance of you, O human being, is the fact that Allah has honored you with the soul at 120 days in your mother's womb. So the fact that you are still breathing now, the fact that you are living now, no matter what has happened in your life, you remain honored to Allah and every person, good or evil, has a potential to change. You are still honored. You are still honored. So some people, they say, my life is over. Everything's going wrong. 
I've lost members of my family, my business failed, whatever it happens. Insha'Allah, there are still doors for you and a purpose for you to live. You are important. The only person who thinks they are not important is you. You. Allah did not tell you that. So change the mindset. My brothers and sisters, Allah then gives us a beautiful description of how He created us in the womb. This is all to tell us how important the human is to Allah. So Allah says, وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ سُلَالَةٍ مِنْ طِينَ ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَاهُ نُطْفَةً فِي قَرَارٍ مَكِينَ ثُمَّ خَلَقْنَا النُّطْفَةَ عَلَقَةً فَخَلَقْنَا الْعَلَقَةَ مُضْغَةً فخلقنا المضغة عظاما فكسونا العظام فكسونا العظام لحما ثم أنشأناه خلقا آخر. Allah says, We created man out of the extract of clay, then we made him into a drop of life germ. Then we placed in it a safe, then we placed it in a safe depository, meaning in the womb of the mother, safe. Then we made this drop into a clot. Then we made the clot into a lump. Then we made the lump into bones. Then we clothed the bones with flesh. In another ayah, we clothed the bones with flesh immediately, simultaneously. And then we caused it to grow into another creation. That's at 120 days. Thus, most blessed is Allah, the best of all those that create. Thereafter, you are destined to die. And then on the day of resurrection, you shall certainly be raised up. My brothers and sisters, therefore this body is what you nourish with the material thing of this world. This body gets old, this body gets sick, this body we are tested with, and this body we are entrusted with. We must look after it. It is a property belonging to Allah. You and I are in it. It's like an avatar, if you want to think about it. You have to look after it. You have to clean it. You have to care for it. You have to honor it. You cannot put it through shame and disgust and immoralities. You have to guard it from immoralities and impurities, both in character, action, words, eyes, ears, everything. In fact, this body will bear witness for you or against you on the day of judgment. The hands will speak, the eyes will speak, the nose will speak, the ears will speak, and the feet will speak, your body will speak, if it needs to. We're going to talk about that, inshallah, soon. The next thing, brothers and sisters, that we are made up of is the soul. The soul is a very difficult thing to explain. In fact, the scholars have differed so much on what its reality is. And the Quran and Sunnah has not explained to us much about it, except what we need to know, because it's beyond our ability to comprehend. But I will tell you and share with you what we have from the Quran and Sunnah. Allah says in the Quran, and they ask you, O Muhammad, about the soul. Say, the soul is of the affair, the command, the order, Amr, of my Lord. And mankind have not been given of knowledge except a little. What is the nature of this soul? Only Allah knows. But what we immediately realize from this verse, and now every single other verse, almost everyone, whenever the ruh is mentioned, the soul, and Allah mentions the word order, command, affair of your Lord. An order of Allah, a command of Allah. Therefore, brothers and sisters, it is an order which has its laws in it that belongs to Allah. Nothing and no one controls or has any control over it except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The definition of the soul according to the Quran and Sunnah and the sum, 
the sum definition of all the scholars, even though they differed a little bit, they said, it is a divine spiritual entity. Entity meaning a distinct and independent existence created by Allah and guided by his divine order, placed into the human and the jinn. It gives life to the body and serves as the essence of a person's true identity. Life here has two meanings. The life meaning to breathe, and there's a difference of opinion on that. I actually go with the other opinion, that we do not breathe because the soul's in us. I used to have that understanding, although I do not deny it. But there is another meaning to life. When you learn about the soul, the soul is in contact with every part of your body, your mind, your heart, your conscious, your subconscious, and your being. So the life that we are talking about is the life which Allah says before in the ayah which I recited before. Whoever does righteous deeds and lives a life in the guidance of Allah, we shall give them a good life here and in the hereafter. Meaning the closer you are to the way the characteristic of the soul is, the more happiness you will feel, serenity and peace. What is the soul? The soul. It has its own laws which connects perfectly with our mind, body, conscience and conscious self. It has nothing and none who control it over in any way except Allah. It is unchangeable. It is the same in every human being, Muslim and non-Muslim. Everyone has the soul in its absolute nature that it was created. It doesn't change. It is eternal. It doesn't die. It ascends to Allah and descends. It leaves your body partially when you go to sleep and it leaves your body completely for a temporary time when you die. Allah has called it his own, meaning he has honored it and made it a gift and specialty from him to us. It is pure. It is good. It's pure. It is good. Even in the evil person. The person who does all the atrocities of earth has a soul which is pure and good, but not the way you think. Nothing can tarnish this soul. It is what gives life, but not necessarily the movements of the mechanical body. It's a soul which knows the truth. So when a person dies, they know that they're dead. They know the afterlife. They see the unseen, which Allah has hidden from us. The soul knows the truth more than you and I. Allah says in the Quran that when death comes to the person in Surah Qaf, He said, لَقَدْ كُنْتَ فِي غَفْلَةٍ مِّنْ هَذَا فَكَشَفْنَا عَنْكَ غِطَاءَكَ فَكَشَفْنَا عَنْكَ غِطَاءَكَ فَبَصَرُكَ الْيَوْمَ حَدِيدٌ before this, meaning before your death, Allah is as if he's speaking to the person when they die. When the soul comes out, Allah says, tells the angels to say, and Allah says to the soul, in this ayah, he says, you, before this, when you were alive, you were unaware. You were heedless. He's talking to the disbelieving soul. And now we have taken the veil off your eyes. And now you're able to see. But it's not a time of test. This is a time of reward, punishment, and destiny. May Allah save us and protect us and raise us in goodness. My brothers and sisters, the angels are also a type of soul or spirit, and they're made out of light. We don't know the nature of this light. Is it the light that we see around us, or is it a different type of light? Only Allah knows. And the hadith is in Sahih Muslim number 2996. And that is why sometimes the soul is referred to the angels. Sometimes the soul is referred to the angel Jibreel, السلام, the archangel Jibreel. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls him Ruh al Amin, the trustworthy spirit. Sometimes he calls him the purified spirit. Al Muqaddas, which Translates in English as holy, but not holy in the sense that he's part of God. Holy in Arabic, Quds or Muqaddas or Al-Quddus means the pure. The pure free of any, any imperfection or any, any impurities, sorry. My dear brothers and sisters, 
Allah says in Surah 26, number 193, it is indeed a revelation from the Lord of the worlds. The trustworthy spirit has brought it down, meaning Jibreel, the angel Gabriel, upon your heart to be one of the warners in Surah Al-Shu'ara. My brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he created Adam السلام, he placed the soul in him and he told the angels to bow. Why did the angels bow to Adam السلام? Allah says in the Quran, I will indeed bring into being a human being out of dry ringing clay wrought from black mud. When I have completed shaping him and have breathed into him of my spirit, then fall you down before him in prostration. Meaning... Allah is saying to the angels, as soon as I have breathed into Adam my order, and he becomes governed and guided by the order of life, meaning the soul, bow down to him. So what are we honored with? What are we honored with? What made the angels bow to our father Adam? What was it? The soul. Because some people mix, they say it's because of his knowledge. No. The angels are more knowledgeable. However, Allah taught Adam Islam the names of all things, but it is, that's not when he told them to bow. He told them to bow because of the soul. Which means that whether you're knowledgeable or not, Allah has already honored you. You either keep it or you lose it. Each person's soul who will ever exist is already created right now. If you're going to have children, their soul is ready. And each person has a specific soul for them. And its destiny is known and written by Allah, His will, His knowledge of the unseen. The Prophet ﷺ, when he went in Isra al Ma'raj, up into the heavens, remember the story in the Quran of Isra al Ma'raj, when the Prophet ﷺ, Allah took him in night from Mecca all the way to Jerusalem, and he went up into the heavens, and Allah showed him signs. What happened is that in the hadith, which is in Sahih Muslim, in Isra al-Maraj, he saw in one of the heavens, the first heaven, Adam alayhi salam. And with him, Adam alayhi salam, in front of him on the right, he could see countless numbers of humans. And on the left, countless numbers of humans, but they weren't the shape of humans. He said they were just, just a big... A big crowd, and I couldn't tell. So, sawad. Sawad means something that's filled with creatures, with something, an entity. They were the souls, and they are still the souls, of all the children of Adam, salam. And when Adam, salam would look to his right, he would smile and become happy. And when he would look to the left, he would become saddened at what he saw. He had seen his children, all of us. Those on the right whose souls already know where they're going. And the souls of the left, Allah already knows where they're going. Meaning the ones on the right are going to be good and are going to go to paradise. And the ones on the left are going to be in bodies which will choose to go in the wrong path. This is a phenomenal note to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers and sisters, the soul has four connections to your body. Number one, before your birth, your soul is ready. So it's not connected, but it's ready. The second connection of the soul is after conception, when your mother becomes pregnant with you. The soul comes in. The third connection is when you're asleep. Your soul plus your conscious, your nafs, your conscious nafs, they depart from your, soul, from your body a little bit. So you're not conscious, and your soul travels. But it's partially connected. And the fourth way is when you die, the soul completely leaves your body along with the nafs, with your conscious state. And there is a fifth one, and that is your resurrection. When you are raised from the earth after death, the soul comes back. First Allah creates you, puts your body intact, puts your heart back in, the, as in the, 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 the inner conscience, and he puts your nafs, your conscious state, yourself, and then he puts your soul and you rise. Allah says this in the Quran. My brothers and sisters, the soul, one last thing I want to say about it, is that when you die, some people ask me, where does the soul go? The soul doesn't die. 
it stays alive. That's the only thing of you that stays alive after death. Your heart dies, your body dies, and your self-consciousness and subconsciousness dies. The soul stays. Where does it go? Many hadiths and many ayat in the Quran tell us. One hadith is in Sahih, uh, in, in An-Nasai, another one is in Bukhari and Muslim, and also in the Quran. That the soul travels and goes up into the heavens. I'll just say it very summary, in a small summary. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them, return, and if it's a good soul, the angels, they say, what a beautiful soul, they call you with the best of your names. And the soul travels in a world that we cannot describe. The closest description I can give you is when you're asleep. When you're asleep and you dream, sometimes the dream is so real. And there are three types of dreams, and one of them is a righteous dream, which is truly your soul living that world. The stronger of an attachment that you have to your soul, and the stronger your soul is of righteousness, the more aware of its righteous dreams it will be. The weaker your connection with your soul and your righteousness and your spirituality, the, the more jumbled up your dreams will be. And they go into the hadith and nafs, what your subconscious and conscious state tells you. Whatever you do in your day, who you talk with, what you do, uh, if you are filled with sins, if your life is just full of useless things, or whether you, uh, whatever you're busy with most of your day is mostly going to be the overwhelming type of dreams that you have. Some people see nothing. And then there's the shaitan dream. The righteous dreams, the closer you are, more pure you are with your soul, the more righteous you will be aware of them. And this soul goes and sees other souls who have passed away. In the Nasa'i, Rasul said, in, that is reported from him, and then they bring the other souls who have passed away, the souls of people who have passed away, of the righteous people. They rush to this new soul when it dies. Rasul said, the state of those old souls that have died, their bodies have died, the righteous ones, the good ones, they rush to this new soul so excited and happy and rejoicing like the way you rejoice when you go to meet a family or a person that you love who had gone overseas and come back after a while. And what do you ask the person who's gone overseas? We Lebanese people, probably I'll call all the Arabs as well, maybe a few others. When we go to the airport and we've got one person coming, let's say one person, we fill up the airport as if we own it. <laughs> you see our kids... They've got no leashes, just running around. And they, some of them run into the doors where you're not allowed to with security. Once I saw a kid running, suddenly, beep, beep, beep. It's one of our kids. And as soon as our mum, dad, or whoever comes out, mashallah, it's like no one else is in the airport. We rush to them and chuck a fiasco. Mashallah. See how happy you are? Because you love this person. And then you ask them, how was your trip? Tell us about so-and-so. If you've got family overseas, tell us about my friend. Tell us about this. Tell us about that. You want to know information? Well, that was before social media. More, more then. Same with the dead souls. The soul goes to those other souls. And those other souls come and say, tell me about my dad. Tell me about my mother. Tell me about my brother, my sister, my relative, my cousin. My, if they had a wife, well, tell me about my, my children. Who's new? Who got married? Who's, who, got bird, who, who got born? Why do they ask these things? Because the righteous souls, they are happy where they are and they cannot wait for their families and more people to come and join them in this goodness. They have hope. And, they, and then when they're, asking and say, when they're asking all these questions, this new soul is a little bit jet-lagged. It's this kind of thing. And a person says, da'uhu, da'uhu. Give him some space or her some space. He or she has just come out of the... Listen to how he describes it, subhanAllah. He or she has just come out of the claustrophobia of that world. Claustrophobia. The righteous souls call this world claustrophobia. So, brothers and sisters, what happiness are you looking for here? In this materialistic world, they're just a vehicle. It's just temporary happiness. Happiness doesn't last. Sadness doesn't last. The true happiness is in here. When you are connected with your soul and into the hereafter. Nothing makes you afraid. Nothing can stop you, insha'Allah. Nothing can make you sad. You feel it, but it won't stop you, insha'Allah. So, brothers and sisters, this is part of what the soul happens to it. And Allah knows best. Brothers and sisters, we move on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the soul of Adam. It was special and the angels bowed to him. The only other place in the Quran where Allah mentions another soul separately 
and independently is the soul of who? Who? Isa. Well done. Jesus Christ. Some people said, well, are we allowed to say Christ? Yeah, he's Christ. He's Jesus, the Messiah. Christ, anointed one or the pure one and so on. So Isa al-Masih is the only one mentioned to have a separate soul to the rest of us. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has stopped the Christians who turned Jesus Christ into a son of God and transformed the soul into a Holy Spirit that is part of a trinity in the Quran where Allah says Ya ahl al-kitab la taghlu fi dinikum wa la taqulu ala Allahi illa al-haqq innama al-masih Isa ibn Maryam rasul Allahi wa kalimatuhu alqaha ألقاها إلى مريم وروح منه فآمنوا بالله ورسله ولا تقولوا فآمنوا بالله ورسله ولا تقولوا ثلاثة إنته خير لكم إنما الله إله واحد سبحانه أن يكون له ولد أن يكون له ولد له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وكفى بالله وكيلا الله سبحانه وتعالى says people of the book do not exceed the limits in your religion and attribute to Allah nothing except the truth. The Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, was only a messenger of Allah and his command that he conveyed unto Mary, meaning the soul which he conveyed unto Mary and a spirit from him which led to Mary's conception. Believe in Allah and his messenger and do not say Allah is a trinity. Give up the assertion it would be better for you. Allah is indeed just one God, for be it from Far be it from his glory that he should have a son. To him belongs all that is in the heavens and in the earth. Allah is sufficient for a guardian. And Allah says in another verse, And the woman, meaning Maryam salam, who guarded her chastity, so we breathed into her from our spirit, and we made her and her son a sign for all the people. So brothers and sisters, the Christians, they changed the word spirit from God, ruhum min, to spirit of God. Number two, they changed the spirit of holiness, purity, to God's own spirit, which became incarnate in Jesus. And number three, this along with God the, and Jesus developed a third person of God called the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. This is what Allah is saying. This is not what I revealed to you. So do not call God a Trinity. We move now on to the second part that we are made up of is called the nafs. What is the nafs, my dear brothers and sisters? Loosely translated, it is the self-conscious and consciousness, the self-consciousness and the subconsciousness of ourselves. It's you. It's yourself. Oh, the nafs. What can I say about the nafs? The nafs is all our problems that we go through in our world. The nafs is the one filled with the egos, the desires, the temptations, the pride, the self-arrogance, uh, uh, the, uh, what do we call it, uh, entitlement, uh, jealousy, uh, competition. That's the nafs. You've got to keep it on a leash. The nafs is created. It's an entity which Allah, it's, it's a, a special characteristic which Allah created. And then Allah put it in the human. The nafs has desires. These desires, they can be used for good or used for bad. We need them in our life. At the same time, we need to tame it. We are in control of it and it is in control of us. The nafs is in control of us and we can have control over it. This is the thing which we are wrestling with. This is the thing which can take us away from our soul and our heart and our self or bring us closer to Allah and our soul, and so on. It is called the nafs. This nafs, my dear brothers and sisters, actually was created 
before the creation of the human, at the time of Adam And Allah took this nafs out in the Quran, it also says it in Surah Al-A'raf, that Allah took the nafs of every person out, along with its souls. And Allah said to every nafs, to every self-consciousness, He said to it, and mentioned when your Lord took from the children of Adam from their loins, their descendants, and made them testify of themselves, meaning themselves, meaning the nafs, saying to them, Am I not your Lord? They said, Yes, we have testified. This, lest you should say on the day of resurrection, indeed, we were of this unaware. Each and every one of us has a nafs which existed before that bared witness to the existence of our Lord and our Creator. We don't feel it very strongly right now, but this is the reason why we have something called fitrah, which means a natural inclination, the human nature. It's why we ask questions, where did I come from? Why am I here? It's why the little child feels a closeness to their parents and needs them. It's why we ask, who is God? Who created me? What is my purpose? We think about these things. And when you cannot find the answer, they distract us with movies and music and entertainment so that we don't keep thinking about it. We don't think about death. We don't think about our purpose here. We just keep going as if we are just created like an animal for no other purpose but to walk the earth and then die. So this, my dear brothers, is the nafs. My brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks to us a lot about it. And I'll just talk very briefly, inshaAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the nafs and put it in Adam salam. And then from Adam's nafs, from his self-consciousness, he created his mate and his spouse. And so the self-consciousness that was in Adam salam is now shared with his wife, Hawa. That's what the name apparently is. Hawa or Eve, which was Adam salam's wife. And from them, the nafs ever since then has been, each time a new person is born, a copy of it is made, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or the copy that was made, is brought to that new person that is born, again and again and again. But it all started from the time of Adam salam. So we are from each other. And this nafs changes depending on how you tame it or don't tame it. Each one of us here has a nafs, has a self-consciousness. Either it's better or worse. Each person to their own. Some people become cannibals. Some people go on drugs. Some people murder and rape. Some people do atrocities. That's because they did not tame their nafs and they obeyed their nafs. Allah says in the Quran that the nafs can become so evil and explode into such evil that there are no boundaries to how far it can go in evil. Or the nafs can become so righteous and you can purify it until it's with the ranks of the angels. That is our nafs. That's the thing that's accountable. That's the thing that will decide our end. So now you're thinking of it like a person that's in you. But it's part of you. It's who you are. Conscious self was originally created, as I said, independently, and then a copy is made for all of us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us that on the day of judgment, the nafs will also be resurrected. And it will be asked about everything that it did or didn't do. It is the nafs that will lie. And when the nafs lies, the body speaks. Your body is obedient to Allah. It is the nafs. I didn't do it, Ya Rabb. I didn't look at that, my Lord. I didn't backbite this person. I didn't abuse my children. I didn't abuse my parents. It's not me who abused people. So then Allah says, okay, your book says so. Say, no, the book is a lie. Your angels say so. No, your angels, my angels are lying. So then Allah says, today we shall seal their mouth. Because the nafs talks through the mouth. وَتُكَلِّمُنَا أَيْدِيهِمْ Their hands will speak. وَتَشْهَدُ أَرْجُلُهُمْ And their feet will witness بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ What they used to do to earn for themselves. And the nafs will say, the nafs yourself will say to your body, your, you, the nafs, the, the, the part of you that is the self-consciousness, will speak to your own body and will say to its feet and hands, لِمَا شَهِدْتُمْ عَلَيْنَا This is in the Quran. Why did you own my hands and feet? Witness against me. I'm trying to save you. The hands and feet will say, Antaqan Allahu kulla shay. The one who created everything made us speak. 
The one who made everything speak, made us speak. What are you talking about? You're trying to run away from Allah? So even your hair, your eyes, your skin, your hands, your feet are all Muslim. They all worship Allah. They're all submissive to Allah, brothers and sisters. But they are also with you. So on the day of judgment, the body, the soul, and the nafs all gets either rewarded or punished. You're responsible for all of them. My brothers and sisters, uh, the Quran has made it clear, therefore, that the nafs, the self-conscious, which is assigned with accountability and obligations, it is the one that has the free will. And it does what it wants or doesn't do whatever it doesn't want. Sometimes you get arrogant. Sometimes you want to fight. Sometimes this person wants to argue with you. Sometimes you just don't want to do what's right. Sometimes that's you. That's your nafs. You need to tame it and discipline it and not just follow however you feel. That's where the danger is. Allah says, Allah says, what is this self-consciousness? Allah made it balanced. Balanced with good, the tendency to do good, and balanced with the tendency to do bad. Absolutely balanced. You have equal power here and equal power there. Allah says, he gave it the tendency to choose to do good or to choose to do bad. You've got free will. That's the nafs, my brothers and sisters. He who obeys it has failed and he who purifies it has succeeded. That's the test we live in, brothers and sisters. Allah says, The human is his own watchful person over their own nafs. And your nafs is where all the actions come from. Your actions, what you do, is evidence of what yourself is. Who are you really? It's through your actions in private and in public. That's how you know yourself. That's where the jealousy and everything else comes from. So my brothers and sisters, lastly, the heart. Al-Qalb, my dear brothers and sisters, is that inner divine gift which Allah gave us that is connected to our heart it is the thing that reminds us it is the thing that is honest and truthful it has a close connection to the soul but the soul is like an authority it is something you can't describe the qalb is closer to you the heart which we are talking about this inner divine thing that Allah gave us is closer to you it travels between you and the soul, you and your mind, you and your eyes, you and your heart. That is your moral compass. When does it wake up? When do you feel it? You feel it in events in your life. You feel it when you recite the Quran, the words of Allah, meaningfully, not just ritualistically. You come in, you prepare yourself and you recite from the Quran to know it. To recite it because you chose to. Even if you don't understand any of it, you recite it out of worship for Allah. You feel it when you pray to Allah your daily prayers because you want to. And you come prepared. You feel it when you do good deeds for the sake of Allah and for no other purpose. What I mean by that, you may do it to earn money, that's fine. But you always make a portion of it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You help someone. And if you don't get anything out of it, your intention is for Allah. You visit a sick person. You ask about a person. You forgive if you can. You be nice to the people who don't really deserve that much niceness, but you're nice. But don't be overly nice, because then, not to everybody, because they could probably use you. But the point is, you are a person who is genuine. You feel it when you pray in the night. Just before you go to sleep or in the night, you decide to make wudu. And then you go and pray two rak'ahs. And then in your sujood, prostration, you do something called munajah. Munajat means, means to confide in Allah. What does confide mean? It's when you have a really close friend and they are the only ones you tell your inner deepest secrets to. You say them to Allah and to no one else. 
You talk about your feelings and your shortcomings. You talk about your achievements. Munajat. You confide in Allah. And so your closeness starts, you start to feel that closeness. Do you guys do it? I'll give you one more. Dhikr. You know what dhikr is? Dhikr is Allah's remembrance. How does a Muslim remember Allah? You need to use your mouth and your body. Dhikr are words that you say when you wake up. Words that you say when you leave the house. Words that you say when you come into the house. Words when you say when you go to sleep, when you go to work. When you start something, when you end something, when you wear your clothes, when you eat, when you drink. Dhikr words. And I advise you to download a little book. Now from, you can download it. It's an app called Fortress of the Muslim. Husn al-Muslim. One of the amazing books of dhikr. Download it. It comes in transliteration. It comes from English translations as well. And the Arabic there for you. So if you don't know how to read Arabic, you can read the letters in English. I once took students to Umrah. And actually we're taking him again. It's probably the eighth time. But in the second time we went, I had a year 10 student with me. And we went into a bookstore. And I said, I'm going to buy you this little book here as a gift on one condition. He said, what's the condition? I said, I want to see it in your hands ripped apart. I want the pages ripped apart. And the pages scrunched up and like they've been just... I want you to use the living daylights out of it. I don't want to see it in two years' time still nice. Meaning I want you to learn it and memorize it and use it. Wallahi, this young man took this challenge. And he was so honest. Subhanallah, the fact that he made that decision. I remember him in Umrah. I'd say a little word, a little story. And he would be the first one to tear up. He felt the khushu'ah. He felt the spirituality. Do you know why? Because he made an inner decision. Brothers and sisters, it's a decision. You make the decision. You make the decision that you are going to be merciful. You make the decision that you are going to be compassionate to your family. You're going to, you make the decision that you want to start praying your five daily prayers. You make the decision that you are going to read the Quran at least 15 minutes a day. You make the decision that you are going to get that book and you're going to memorize as much as you can of the dhikr. You're going to start with one or two. You make the decision in the morning that you're going to be energetic. You make the decision in the morning that you're going to smile to someone today. You make the decision in the morning that you're going to be optimistic. You make the decision today that you are not going to give up. You make that decision, brothers and sisters. Don't sit there coming to me and say, how do do I pray? You make the decision. How do I get that blanket off me in the morning? How? Say by doing that and making the decision. How do I connect with Allah? I told you, do these five things, but decide that you're going to do them. You make that decision. You own it. Just like we make the decision for everything else and it becomes ours. And watch. Watch how your heart will change and how your awareness will be. It takes steps and you don't make it happen. It happens, but you've got to take those steps. Some people say to me, I do it, but I don't feel the Iman. Brothers and sisters, stop asking questions. Continue with what you're doing, inshallah. Change around your act of worship. One of the things is sometimes we say Subhan Rabbil Azim all the time in the same way. You know, in that book it teaches us different ways of saying Subhan Rabbil Azim. You can say Subhan Quddus Rabbil Malaikati Wal Ruh. Read the meanings. Go and learn what the different actions of Salat mean. Wallahi, that worked for me. I looked up and I said, What does this mean when I do that? I read Allahu Akbar. It means I leave everything that is in my hands and I throw the world behind me because I'm facing Allah. I made the decision. I'm not going to think about anything for the next five minutes. Why do I do this? I am not busying my hands with anything. I'm putting this away. No social media, no family, nothing. Just me and Allah. Why do I go down in bowing? I put my head that this is always. My knowledge, my power is humble before Allah. Who am I? I go down to the ground. I put my head aground and I say, I, am, I deserve to be in the soil. Who am I compared to Allah? There is no one more powerful than Allah and I will only put my head down to Allah. These, when you look at the different movements, suddenly the salat means something different. Do things good for the sake of Allah, not because of you, some, something you want. It's called sincerity. Brothers and sisters, 
Just go ahead, inshallah. Sometimes I put little clips on social media and we see people who have just got very, very brutal hearts. Subhanallah. Ya akhi, stop it. Stop and be humble to your heart. Don't be so hating. Don't be so judgmental. Don't be so, you know, speculative. Don't be. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and go, inshallah, you have the power and try to do something good. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you. There are new doors that are going to open. It's better than continuing this way. I feel sadness for things that happened in my life, but I can be sad and be in a rehab, or I can be sad and continuing to do my work and my job and continuing to come and to talk to you and hide my sadness. I can. One is productive, the other one is not. One is purposeful and one is not. Anyway, the story goes on and on. So these are some things that we can do, brothers and sisters. And I just want to say something, finally, insha'Allah. The way I'm seeing this current world, Allahu A'lam, when it comes to people following happiness, I think a lot of the young people are spending way too much time on non-beneficial things on social media. Like it's become absurd. And I believe this is becoming the number one reason for our depression, our anxieties, our worthlessness, our irritation, our fights. We live in a world where the meaning of happiness is misconstrued. It is based mostly on outward joy and materialistic gain. The idea most people have is run away from pain to joy and self-indulgence. Even though pain, you can't run away from it. Anyone who gets in their way of their feelings of comfort and enjoyment becomes a toxic person to them. The meaning of self-love is misconstrued. To many it means self-loathing and doing whatever the desires want without guilt or regret. The, word we, the, the world we live in is becoming more and more about the individual and only the individual and only rule and any rules or obligations or responsibilities are considered an invasion and victimization of ourselves. We glue our eyes to the screens, phones and social media looking for something but we don't know what we are looking for. We're looking for happiness or a solution or an answer but we never get it. For many it's so long as it makes you laugh. <laughs> bit of dopamine doesn't make you think I'm okay because I don't have to think gives you no responsibility I got no duty or accountability easy uh, and serves your de our desires and lusts Ah, that's good so long as that happens we are happy to sit in our bedrooms and lock the door give give us our devices give us our earpods and access to all the services on the internet lock our doors and rage at our parents siblings or anyone who disturbs our comfort in the slightest we think that happiness comes from shopping buying discarding them and keeping up to date with what is in anyone who merely advises us for of our faults we shun them as toxic and negative then there are those who find happiness in hurting and abusing others possessive and controlling parents and children and employers and friends who find their pleasure by subduing and putting down others they find pleasure in making others feel intimidated by them and satisfying their already low self-esteem by putting down others there are those who find pleasure in seeing others fail winning against others under any circumstance even if it leads to destroying other people's lives then there are those who see happiness in showing off, reliant on compliments and praise, even if it's fake. Those that think happiness is in getting the attention of that boy or girl with flimsy cheap words and pictures. Those men whose egos are the center of their joy and counting, and uh, center of their joy and showing off to their friends and counting how many women and girls they scored or played with or got her picture and words. And those women whose weak-mindedness makes them think that happiness is by all the clicking that people give her of likes and emojis, especially from the boys who were using them and not really seeing them as important. Some of them showing off their body and sexualizing themselves, some of them for a few cheap bucks. Then there are those who think happiness is to try harmful substances such as drugs, either to impress, to fit in, or to get accepted, or merely an illusion of running away and escaping pain and problems, thinking it will make them happy again somehow, but it's only destroying them. To those whom money, property and things are what they live for, earning it in all sorts of immoral ways and haram. And then they try to justify it by using and twisting religious texts or other justifications to try and make themselves feel justified by digging their guilt deep down.
until death comes. We still have time, brothers and sisters. Our soul is waiting. It's there. Allah is close. Our nafs has gotten hold of us. Let's start taming it, inshallah. Most of us here have white hair. I've dyed my beard. I've also have lots of white hair. <laughs> but we're all on the other side of the hill. Some of us are working towards there. And some of us, we don't know if tomorrow you and I will be our time. So brothers and sisters, remember death, but death in a way that is not traumatizing, in a way to prepare to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and know that no one has control over you except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us blessing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us in increasing our iman and connecting our ties and help us in strengthening our character. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rid away the harm and the challenges that consume us. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for our shortcomings and sins. We all sin but the ones who accept the sin and keep going are not healthy. The ones who sin and try to minimize their sins, insha'Allah, will get better and feel their soul and heart. هذا وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.